The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, we talk about how Adam Silver is trying to turn the NBA into soccer. Yeah. And I explain the way it's going to change the way the NBA works. Donovan Mitchell inside feature on why he doesn't like Rudy Gobert. He finally breaks his silence. Good stuff there. Dallas Mavericks. We talk about them a little bit again. How they have finally admitted that it is time to pull the ripcord. That shit is not okay and it's not going to be okay. More stuff coming out about that. And then some really interesting news about the Golden State Warriors. And how they might not be just punting on this season. But maybe the entire idea of two timelines as a whole. Lots to talk about, Nick. Happy holidays to you guys. Do me a favor and drop that generic ass beat. last episode about how I am riveted. I am riveted by soccer. Today, actually, I spent 15, maybe longer, actually, probably 30 minutes of my life deciding what EPL team I want to follow. I still don't know. It's still very tough. There's not enough stars that I like. I just, am I going to root for Harry Kane? Like, I can't. Like, I love Mbappe, but he's on PSG. I just can't find one that I like. You got some issues with Chelsea and their age, and they're starting to be on the decline because, you know, the whole Russian oligarch thing. Anyways, I'm in. I'm going to try to find a team. I'm going to follow said team. I might just wait in the wings for Mbappe to choose where he goes in the EPL and just follow him. Wherever he goes, I follow. Wherever Memphis Depay goes, I follow. I like these swaggy strikers, which is why I don't really like Christian Pulisic much. Anyway, well, last yesterday's final, well, Sunday's final, because it's coming out on Tuesday, between France and Argentina was like, if every game was like that, there might not be another sport on earth. They might have just, they might usurp everything. If games all were like that, goodness, greatest. People... People tell me, soccer fans tell me, this is the greatest soccer game they've ever seen. 
It was incredible. So much drama and star players doing star player things. Mbappe balling out, taking the team, throwing the whole entire squad on his back. Messi showing the world why he's the greatest, playing with the kids after the game. Angel Di Maria, the fading star, balling, killing, them benching my man Olivier Giroud for what reason, who knows? If you're an NBA fan, you don't even know these names, so I'm just going to keep going. It was fun, though. It was really fun. NBA fans, of course, they know what this is like, right? They know. It's Steph and Braun going at it back and forth, Tatum and Steph, right? And you might, and I might, emphasize might be able to steal a title though without a real superstar but having a guy like Mbappe who can steal it in a blink of an eye the things that he did on Sunday I just couldn't even believe it that's what separates though true contenders from pretenders right and the one thing that Adam Silver's trying to figure out is how to replicate some of that excitement He's known as a huge soccer fan, right, Adam Silver? In particular, loves the EPL. And we talked about this before on the podcast, but Adam Silver is dying to add elements of European soccer into the NBA. Why? Because the NBA loves money, and nothing makes more money than a bunch of random tournaments involved in soccer. Just this past October, Silver let it known that he had actually considered relegation relegation to eliminate tanking, which I would personally love. I don't know that it would work, but it would be funny, right? Like, could you imagine the L.A. Lakers being relegated? (laughs) I just love that so much. I would love that so much. I would love to see G League Ignite take the Lakers' spot in the Western Conference. He's also, though, uh, Adam Silver, is on record saying that he's very jealous of the Champions League the European soccer tournament that pits the top finishers in respective European domestic leagues in months-long competition to see what team is best. This is what Silver said to the BBC, which is a very funny place for him to do an interview. The Champions League is a fantastic concept, one we're always looking at. There's so much that happens in European soccer that I'm jealous of. What would he be jealous of, you think, in terms of the Champions League? Probably the $1.5 billion dollars that CBS paid to broadcast the Champions League just here in America alone, let alone the rest of the world. That's just icing on top of the other regional broadcast rights, the other rights that go for the NBA as a whole. It's just a a ching, 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 money-making machine. It's a one-way river into Adam Silver's pocket. That's a Yellowstone quote. Silver just gave an interview in 2018 where he noted as head of the NBA Entertainment before he became commissioner that he intently studied the EPL's relationship with gambling companies, and this deeply informed the way that he and the league have navigated the boom in sports betting in the U.S. And not just like straight-up gambling, but in licensing data uh, and video to gambling companies, which means what? Gambling companies are going to be the premier broadcaster of NBA NBA games just wait NBA way ahead of other leagues in in relation to Silver's love of soccer right so the biggest change that Silver's going to make 
is the in-season tournament. We've talked about that before. He's been on record. It seems very destined to happen in the next year or two. And less than three weeks ago, it was announced that the NBA is planning the 2023-2024 regular season that includes that regular season tourney. So it's an 80-game regular season and then two flex games to fill the gaps for the tournament winners. I'm confused. Silver said, it's something I remain excited about. It will create more meaningful games, games of consequence, during an otherwise long regular season, and I think fans might enjoy something else significant to play for. As an aside, all NBA teams had to give the NBA front office their available home dates for next year, so the schedule is already being worked out right now as we speak. Those home dates include... Okay, what day is Lady Gaga coming to perform at the Moda Center? What day is Sting coming to the Madison Square Garden? What openings do you guys have? Uh, And the latest on the in-season tournament is that first-round play will begin early in the season with the final eight facing off in a quarterfinal in December, which would be right now. No prizes yet determined, but the idea of an extra first-round pick has been floated out to the winner, which would be amazing. Could you imagine? Could you imagine a team that has no, I mean, back to the Lakers, a team that has no first-round picks could kind of need a first-round pick. Don't know what to think about the in-season tournament because I don't know if people are going to care. I don't know if the money of it and the pageantry of it is going to get fans to really be excited. But, you know, the NBA is a marketing machine. They'll find a way to hype it up. They'll find ways to get first take to talk about it. They'll find ways to get Adam Silver to make it feel like an event. But Adam Silver's love of soccer will continue to impact the NBA. And the World Cup, I think, just underscored how much these two sports could possibly, maybe, have in common. Look out for a Champions League type situation as well. That could be something on the forefront also. Ah, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. That's the stuff that NBA T lovers can't get enough of. So why why did and does Donovan Mitchell hate Rudy Gobert so much? Let's face it. Rudy Gobert is a lightning rod. Rudy Gobert has been a lightning rod for hate since he put his mouth on all those microphones with COVID and shut the league down. Like, we know that. We know that that is something that got Rudy Gobert to be the front and center poster boy for COVID hate. It continues, though. It continues, which we'll get into in a second. But Donovan Mitchell didn't really like Rudy or fuck with Rudy before everyone else did. When asked recently whether Donovan Mitchell thinks his number should be retired, Donovan Mitchell actually said no, because he hadn't accomplished enough in the time that he was with the Utah Jazz in order for him to feel like his jersey should be retired. I think that's true, because Mark Spears, who's been on a heater, by the way, as of late, was like, well, you did, you guys accomplished a lot. And Donovan Mitchell was like, well, really? Did we? What we accomplished? Like, we gave up a bunch of 3-1 leads. We didn't really win anything of note. We didn't even go to the Western Conference Finals. We got booted to inferior teams like Denver and Dallas. And they asked him, well, okay, well, why, why didn't you and Rudy, like, if you don't think the basketball worked and you don't think you accomplished enough on the basketball floor, why do you think that was? Is it your relationship with Rudy Gobert? And he was like, well, honestly, the basketball between me and Rudy just didn't work. 
We live in a world where it has to be just so negative, really negative. Basketball just didn't work. We didn't see eye to eye. We wanted to both win, but we wanted to do it in two different ways. It didn't work. Pause. If you're a fan of the Minnesota Timberwolves right now and or your Aunt Edwards, you got to think to yourself, rot row. Because if Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert couldn't work together and they had two completely different visions about what it would take to win, let me just say this. Donovan Mitchell and Aunt Edwards probably have closer ideas about what it's going to take to win games than, say, I don't know, Aunt Edwards and Rudy Gobert do. That is very, very concerning. It, on paper, should work beautifully, and it has not. Unpause. As far as him and I go as people, Donovan Mitchell later said, I don't hate him. He doesn't hate me. I wouldn't say we're the best of friends. But we're not at that point where it's like I can't stand him. Also, pause. I've been in situations where I say, I don't hate this person. They don't hate me. Are we friends? Are we close? Are we buddies? No. As soon as you have to say we're not friends either, you're, you're nothing. At the very least, you're not dapping each other up if you see each other at the bar. You're like, oh, yeah, there's Rudy. Let's go this way. You don't like each other whatsoever. Let's be honest. Like, there was no good feelings about it. When you publicly say, I don't hate someone, there's more than just neutral feelings about it. You just don't want to spend the energy explaining and then creating a beef and then people asking Rudy about why and whether he dislikes you as much as you dislike him. So that's bullshit. Donovan continued, I wished him the best. There's no hatred. There's no ill will towards any of that. Basketball just didn't work out. It happens. Our relationship just happened to be a little more out there than everybody else's. But honestly, it really started with COVID. (laughs) It's like, listen, I don't dislike him. I don't hate him. Everybody thinks that we did because, you know, there was all this publicity about how I never gave him any passes, never lobbed him the ball. We didn't sit together in the lunchroom. I unfollowed him on Instagram. All that stuff's kind of bullshit. But really, it happened and started with COVID. I disliked him. I disliked him when he rubbed his fucking face on the microphones and shut our league down and almost gave me COVID when I thought I could still die from COVID and we had to sit in a fucking locker room for 12 hours together and nobody could stay in a hotel because all hotels were afraid of anyone having COVID near their people and we had to just basically be on lockdown in Oklahoma City. So yeah, fuck that guy then. That was when it all started. The fact that he said, yeah, really, it started with COVID. Tells you everything you need to know. People forget that the world was so pissed at Rudy Gobert that his PR team somehow convinced ESPN to do a complete documentary on Rudy Gobert this offseason. During the pandemic, I guess it ran, that we had the only central theme was that Rudy Gobert wasn't as bad as you think he is. Like, that was the entire concept of the documentary. And that was a lie, obviously, because Rudy Gobert, truthfully, I don't know if you've seen it, Rudy Gobert continues to be exactly the asshole that we thought he was. Because just last week, Rudy Gobert liked a tweet from Elon Musk 
that said Elon Musk's preferred pronouns are prosecute Fauci. Are you fucking serious? Are you kidding me? Could could you put together homophobia, transphobia, and anti-vax all in one 15-word tweet? Are you serious? Who comes after people for their preferred pronouns and also says they want to prosecute Fauci? And if you're an NBA player, you should know these tweets that you like are public. They are all public. And then you throw in the fact that Rudy Gobert, his teammate, lost seven members of his family, which is almost inconceivable. Carl Anthony Towns lost seven family members to COVID including his mom, who was not old whatsoever. And he decides to like a tweet that says to prosecute Fauci for what? Shutting our league down? Shutting our world down at a time where, I don't know, something that has happened once in every 300 years, he's telling people to be careful and wear masks and maybe stay inside? Like, you like that tweet, Rudy, when you gave the world COVID? Are you serious? Along with my desired pronouns, I I wonder this, and I'd like you guys to give me your thoughts too. Is Rudy Gobert the most unlikable player in the NBA? I think he is. He is to me. I There is no one that gets a more visceral reaction just by his name alone than Rudy Gobert. If there's something redeeming to him, someone tell me, but I can't see it. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I said it a month ago, it's Bears, maybe three weeks ago, but it bears repeating. Dallas stinks. Dallas stinks. They are nowhere. They're going absolutely nowhere this year unless they have a knock-the-ball-out-of-the-park type trade. And I'm not talking about Facundo Campazzo and Kemba Walker. Also, by the way, Kemba Walker did ball out the other night. Kemba Walker's good for four games a year. Okay? So he's fresh. He hasn't played since the New York Knicks. And we're going to, like, give him his flowers because he put up – what did he put up, Kemba Walker? Let's look it up really fast. Stats. If I don't even need to look up stats because he only has one stat. He hasn't played since 42 minutes, 32 points because Luka didn't play. And I tell you what, the Dallas Mavericks without Luka are unwatchable. They are unwatchable. So 
Kemba Walker getting 42, 30, what is it, 32 points or 40? 32 points in 42 minutes goes 12 for 25 and 4 for 13 for 3. Ugh, gross. That just tells you everything you need to know about what you have in Kemba Walker. He did that with, like, he's played, like, no minutes since since December of last year. Anyway, now the Mavs finally see it my way. Now the Mavs finally see what we've been saying. According to Tim Cato, who just dropped this huge article today on The Athletic, the realization has dawned on the Mavs that they have to figure it out. They have to trade some folks. Who's tradable? Who's tradable on this team? Everyone except for three players is tradable. Everyone's on the trade block like it's a fantasy football team right before the deadline, except for, of course, Luca and two others. Who do you think those players are? So it's Josh Green. And checks notes, Spencer Dinwoody. Back to Josh Green. That is a high praise for a guy. For the, the fact that Josh Green is untradeable, untradeable for any price. This is a guy averaging seven, two, and one. That's high praise. That is some some wow type moves, some behavior that I do not understand. But Josh Green is improving. And he's the kind of player that the league is always looking for, right? Like a guy who's very versatile, a guy that can kind of fit into every scheme. He's not only a three-point shooter who can play defense, but he's a guy that can put the ball on the floor. He can get defenders to collapse on him and pass out as well. And this is Green's only his third year, so it's going to probably be fascinating to see what kind of extension that the Mavs offer him. Probably won't offer him anything and he'll leave for nothing because that's what the Mavs do. But... Is he the long-term answer in Dallas for Luka? Will signing him in any way make Luka happy? In signing him, will it in any way affect Luka at all? I'd like to know. And what does it say that you only have two players besides Luka that are technically untradeable? And are they untradeable, though? Like, if I gave you a first-round pick for Spencer Dinwiddie, would you do it? You would. You would, wouldn't you? If I gave you a first-round pick and someone who matched Josh Green's salary for Josh Green, you would do it, wouldn't you? You would. Like, that's bullshit. The only guy that's that's untradeable, really, is Luka. This is the worst roster of any NBA team that I have seen. I That's like a competitive team. I think that the Orlando Magic roster is better than the Dallas Mavericks roster. Let me say that again. I think the Orlando Magic's roster is better than the Dallas Mavericks roster. <laughs> From 1 to 15, the Orlando Magic have a better team than the Dallas Mavericks, a team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year. That is sad. That is hopeless. The rest of the roster, Christian Wood, Dorian Finney-Smith, JaVale McGee, Tim Hardaway Jr., you trade one, trade all. But for the love of Christ, I don't know, figure out a way to get Lucas some sort of help. Because if you don't, he is gone. There will be nothing that you can do. He will press. If you've seen the way that he yells at referees when he doesn't like a call, what do you think he's going to do when he doesn't like the future of the franchise and realizes that you are doing absolutely zero to help him get a title? Get prepared for Luca to start making some serious, ugly, gross, very whiny, very annoying trade demands. Lost in the shuffle that Steph Curry's out with for a month with a labrum injury or a shoulder separation is kind of the 
the fact that the dynasty is sort of on shaky ground right now? In fact, one of the major architects of the Golden State Dynasty and the current GM of the Warriors, Bob Myers, is currently working on an expiring deal right now. And according to Woj, Bob Myers, two-time executive of the year, has not been renewed. And Golden State ownership and Myers have had conversations about a new contract, but those talks currently appear to be on a hiatus. Ruh-roh. I don't know if that's good. I don't think that's good. Anytime contract talks have stalled, which is another nice word, or, a, a, you know, that's what hiatus means. That's a nice way of saying stalled contract talks, hiatus. That's not good. And it is fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me because that Draymond punch really sort of reverberated and changed everything. Like, the team all year has been in turmoil. The chemistry, the vibes are bad. Then you got paying, you're paying Jordan Poole. You paid him. You paid Wiggins. Okay. You got to figure out what to do with Clay. He, and then you have Clay's extended cold streak, Clay getting emo in the mentions. You've got Wiseman getting demoted to the G League. Then you've got Poole's erratic play off the bench. Then he plays as a starter and plays well, but he only plays well when either Steph or Clay don't start. And now Steph Curry has a separated shoulder and is out for the, a month? Okay, so what does that all mean? I mean, it's tough to be gold-blooded, first off. It's tough right now to be a, a Warriors fan. It's, it's very cold on these streets right now. We, we keep the faith, but my faith is sort of shaking a little bit. And now Bob, Bob Myers is working, and he's on, a, on an expiring, and they can't get a deal done for a guy who's brought them four rings and like seven final, was it six finals appearances? What? Now you've got Joe Lacob having to talk to ESPN about it. And he's like, yeah, we love Bob. We really hope he's here a long time. While he simultaneously does not lock up Bob for the future. And so to me, what is this about? It's about a half a billion dollars. Half a billion dollars that the Warriors face next year in payroll and luxury tax combined for a team that is currently on the cusp of not making the play-in tournament. Is that acceptable? Do you think Joe Lacob wants to do that? Do you think Bob Myers wants to do that? No. Which is why Connor Letourneau of the SF Chronicle dropped the bombshell today. He said the Warriors are considering blowing up the bridge. Ah, what does that mean? Blowing up the bridge? Yes, the two-timeline approach may be getting nixed. Letourneau said this, More than a third of the way through the season, the reigning champions remain hobbled by an inconsistent bench as they enter Sunday's game at Toronto with the league's 20th-ranked defense and a 2-14 road record. Most concerning for the Warriors, though, is the fact that they sit below 500 despite Curry having played almost every game and posting MVP-caliber numbers. And now that Steph is out for an indefinite period, a month is actually optimistic. The Warriors are staring at a hard number. The number is 48. That's the amount of wins that they personally believe it will take to get into the play-in tournament. Not the playoffs. The play-in game. Due to their 2-14 road record, they would need to win two-thirds of their remaining games to make that number. There's only one team in the NBA that's doing that right now. And that's the, the Grizzlies. They're the number one team in the West right now. 
The Warriors, folks, are not the Grizzlies at this point. I hate to say it as a longtime Dubs fan, but right now this team wins about 33% without Curry on the floor. A month-long stretch of 6-12 and 12 without him, the season is, sink, is sunk. Sink, sunk, whatever you want to say. And it is not like they can add any immediate help without making it financially impossible next year. Wiseman is going to cost them $90 million in salary and luxury tax penalties alone if they re-sign him. And the wild thing is, this is crazy. This is actually getting lost in the shuffle. Did you know that they tried to trade Wiseman just recently? They tried to trade him. Yeah, under the radar, they're trying to do it in the, in the shadows of the night, even though they say they're building around him. But they, they are trying to, in the shadows of the night, trade Wiseman to the San Antonio Spurs for Jakob Pertl. And you know what the San Antonio Spurs said? Thanks, but no fucking thanks. You're going to need, in order for you to get Jakob Pertl, you're going to need to give us some draft capital in order to make that work. What? Imagine if you're a team offering the number two overall pick in the draft, who's only 21 years old, for a 27-year-old Austrian who's averaged 20 minutes a game and seven and a half points per game his entire career. And that team says, no, we don't want that number two overall pick unless you sweeten the deal with more draft picks. What? Are you serious? And you know I, you know me, I don't like Wiseman. I never have. I've been trying to be positive on him. I'm trying to find things to like about him. I'm trying to listen to the folks who are deep in the weeds about him. But he doesn't know basketball. He knows nothing about basketball. And as a yoga person would say, he has no mind-body connection. You know what I mean? His brain can't tell his body what to do, and it do it right away. There's some clunkiness there. So... He's, he's rapidly playing his way into being probably one of the youngest, most highly drafted negative assets in the league, Wiseman. And that is the problem. You have a bunch of young guys that you drafted pretty high who are now possibly negative assets. The guys the Warriors planned on building around, none of them are panning out. Not to say they're not going to ever be good, like Kaminga, I think he will be good someday. But some, some experts think Kaminga and Moody might be three years away from being a starter caliber player. Then at that point, Curry is just on the, on the back on the front side of, of 40. He'll be 38 years old. The young Warriors they're not going to do anything. It's just Poole. Poole's the only guy who's going to be able to help the Warriors on their title run. And now that that luxury tax bill is coming due and Joe Lacob isn't going to pay to lose and be in the play-in tournament. The question is this, how can you win another chip with the Warriors' big three? Can you? Can you do that? Because if you cannot do that, it might be time for you to think about finding some new people to be called the big three instead of Draymond and Clay. I think, I think Clay will probably take as little money as you need him to because he's been stealing while he's been injured. I don't mean stealing, but you know what I mean. And Draymond, he'll probably end up picking up his player option. But if it all comes down to it, you might need to trade Draymond. You might need to trade Clay. And this is what Bob Meyer said about why he has, his deal hasn't been done. My entire focus is on the season and the team. Hmm. Maybe Bob Myers doesn't want to be in Golden State anymore. Maybe the time has come for him to put together a new roster. Because 
he's had a great run, and you don't want to end up being Washington Wizards Michael Jordan by the time you start looking for a new job. You need to go out on top. Maybe he thinks, damn, I don't like what I see with these chuckleheads. I don't like that Kaminga, the very first second that the offseason hit, he took the trophy uh, to, like, Africa and missed team workouts when he was specifically told not to do that. If you aren't already stressed, if we Warrior fans are not stressed enough, keep this in mind. No team has ever won the championship and been under 500 on the road this century. Major change is coming for our dubs. And if it doesn't happen this season, guarantee you, put my bleeding, beating heart on it, it will happen this offseason. And that offseason might not include the architect of it all, Bob Myers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Guess what, Phoenix Suns fans? If you thought that the Robert Sarver drama and him getting kicked to the curb was the end of all of the off-court toxicity, guess again. Because when Baxter Holmes, the guy who writes four articles a year, comes sniffing around your organization, shit's about to go left. And Baxter Holmes put out another bombshell piece on the Phoenix Suns today. And you know what? It's not good. It is damning. According to the NBA's own investigation of Robert Sarver, many current and former executives and employees told investigators that they believe Sarver's conduct had a trickle-down effect, that he behaved poorly towards his direct reports, and those reports in turn found that they had felt that they had license to mistreat their own reports. The trickle-down of toxicity, it continues. Our investigation finds instances in which certain Suns executives yelled at and subjected their colleagues to embarrassment, humiliation, and intimidation in the workplace, including conduct that constitutes bullying under the Suns' workplace policy. Oh, boy. Not shockingly, a lot of this abusive behavior seems to be, of, seems to be leveled at women. Yeah. One female employee told the investigators... Quote, I remember when all this stuff came out about Robert and I thought, finally, but when are the others going to be held accountable too? The main culprit appears to be high-level executives, including CEO Jason Rowley. While Rowley says more punishment will be coming for those who are responsible in this atmosphere of abuse, uh, one former employee was like, yo, you going to fire yourself or what? <laughs> like, because it's you, my guy, it's you. And Rowley is a guy 
mind you, that the report says he once berated a pregnant female executive who had the balls to question the reporting structure of the Suns by just straight up screaming at her, who the fuck do you think you are? Who the fuck are you to question the reporting structure? If I tell you to report to someone, you fucking report to them. The ESPN article indicates that the woman was then iced out, hassled over her maternity leave, and then she was fired when she returned to work from said maternity leave. I think that's against the law. I'm pretty sure that's it's against some labor laws. It stated, quote, male team executives tried to terminate the female employee while she was on leave, but the female's uh, the employee's female supervisor actually persuaded them to wait until the employee returned to work to then eliminate her position. Who was this male executive that tried to get her fired and then later fired her? Yes, CEO Jason Rowley. This is nuts. Like the entire report is somehow, some way more damning than the actual stuff about Robert Sarver alone. Fucking executives were just blatantly harassing and bullying and intimidating employees pretty much everywhere, allowing sexual harassment from team sponsors, forcing multiple pregnant women and new moms to quit. They just hated pregnant women. I don't think, I mean, no one hated pregnant women more than the Phoenix Suns front office. They were like, yo, it was so bad that the investigation concluded The Suns organization has been a difficult place for women to work, particularly if they have young children, and that Suns executives have on occasion treated female employees differently because of their gender and their pregnancy. What is the solution in Phoenix? I mean, they got to all go. Everything, blow it all up. Get them all gone. Every single last one of them. Every high-ranking executive who worked during the Sarva era has to retire. You have to go. No golden parachute for you. Deuces for you. See you later. Have a nice life. Go away. You can't build a better organization. You can't buy the Phoenix Suns and have these fucking assholes still in the, bu- in the building doing the same thing. Then it's just like changing ownership. And so the shit cloud that has hung over the suns all year has not gone away. It is only becoming apparent that it wasn't just one cloud. It was pretty much the entire sky. Let's play a little game. I am an NBA franchise. Who am I? I am currently the hottest team in the NBA right now at the moment. I've won seven games in a row. I have the second best record on the road in the entire NBA at 10 and 6. I'm playing currently at a 666 clip within my own conference. My star player has been completely maligned this year, but has been hot as fuck, averaging 21, 11, and 4. My young star, who they locked up to a big extension in the offseason, who has been terrible all year, is playing 22, 6, and 2 over the last seven games, somehow shaking off all of that dust and disrespect my coach who's been largely considered to be on the hot seat now stands in fifth place who am i who am i i am the new york fucking knicks if you can believe that are you serious no one's talking about the knicks right now i couldn't even believe these stats 
I couldn't even believe that they were the hottest, currently the hottest team in the NBA. From dead in the water at 10 and 13, people saying Tibbs was going to be fired, rising in the standings, being tied fifth with the Sixers. They are tied with the Sixers right now. Julius Randle, from him chucking 15 shots a game from six inches outside the three-point line to being unstoppable. R.J. Barrett going from the worst contract of the offseason to a legit borderline all-star player. The team currently playing really good defense. We have to do some sort of deep dive soon, like a autopsy on the death of the New York Knicks stinking because only one question matters right now. Is this a fluke or are the Knicks for real? Was this a bad start or is this just a hot moment? We're going to have to see. We're going to have to see. A really quick look at what's happening in Chicago. Bad news bulls. It's not good. Bad news bulls. Currently, the Bulls sit at 11 and 18 in the East. How bad is 11 and 18 in the East? Well, they are, they are closer to 12th place where the Wizards sit, having lost 10 in a row, than they are being in the final play-in spot. <laughs> it's bad. How, how, sweat, how bad are things in Chicago? Following their fourth straight loss where they gave up 150 points to the Carl Anthony Towns less Timberwolves, Zach Levine said this, It's frustrating for all of us. I know it's frustrating for the fans. It's embarrassing. We're all a little embarrassed about it. Goran Dragic said, We're not playing for each other. DeMar DeRozan put it probably more bluntly, We look like shit. You think? Yeah, you do. You look horrible. Everything about this team is bad. I mean, thank God they have Lonzo Ball, and he's just going to be coming right around the block, right? His return's imminent, right? No, no. The latest on Lonzo Ball also came out yesterday. Billy Donovan spoke to Lonzo, and we now still have no timetable for his return. He is currently progressing towards running. My man, Lonzo Ball isn't even running. Isn't even on a treadmill right now. When he does run, he now needs to be able to show that he can go after loose balls without pain. He needs a, quote, significant ramp up for conditioning after he gets cleared to run. And then he has to do that without pain. Let me just say this. If you think Lonzo Ball is coming back this year, he is not. This is like a Zion thing from last year. Same thing. He's not coming back. I would not be surprised if he goes to Beaverton to go work with Nike for a little while. Just see if he can figure some things out, do some soul searching, take some ayahuasca, figure it all out. We'll do a full segment on the Bulls, maybe soon, maybe not. But for now, shit has gone sideways. One thing is for sure, though. You think the Bulls regret signing Billy Donovan to a big extension? Anything, the secret extension that they signed in the offseason that nobody knew about until the season began? Yeah. Some shit probably should remain secret. Figure out an out clause of that. Finally, let's end the episode with a little bit of Christmas cheer, courtesy of Adam Silver in the NBA. Uh, For the first time ever, the NBA is going to take care of players who played in the old ABA, the American Basketball Association that the league merged with in 1976. Ever since the merger, the NBA 
has pretty much done everything possible to keep from having to take any semblance of caretaking of ABA players who did not make it into the NBA. An entire organization is out there called Dropping Dimes, was formed actually to help struggling former players and vets, you know, lobby to the league to take financial stake in the welfare of former ABA players, right? So finally, after eight years, the league has decided to open its purse, its enormous purse, by the way, and cut off a tiny little slice for a league that's pretty much saved the entirety of pro basketball in America to the tune of $25 million. I mean, it's better than nothing, I guess. Just in time for Christmas. This is unbelievably good news, I think, for every ABA player, whoever hooked on or never hooked on with an NBA team, some of, many of whom actually are struggling to this very day. All these guys are in their 70s and 80s. A $100,000 check, probably going to be a nice little Christmas present for them. You might ask yourself, why did it take so long? Why did this take so long for the NBA to do the right thing? I don't know, but better, better late than never, right? So much of what we love about the NBA came from the ABA. Fast breaks, tomahawk hammer dunks, threes, flashy players, personality. So it's only fair that the players who sort of developed what we have now and what we love about the league now and didn't make it into the new NBA would at least benefit somewhat, tiny bit, from a league that just makes billions and billions and billions of dollars in part because of the merger that saved them. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. Check out the feed for past episodes and some of the mini episodes that drop. Follow the Heat Check as the 2022-2023 season is hot right now. It's in full swing. Do not forget to download. Please subscribe. Please tell all your friends, every single one of them. And follow us on social at at this Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.